0: Welcome to the Kara's Cures digital show and podcast where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundler. This episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. So, have you ever heard of the term conscious quitting? Well, a recent report found that more women leaders are quitting corporate America than ever before. So if you find yourself thinking, should I stay or should I go, there's actually some help to figure out the right answer. Here with us now is Sarah McElroy, founder of Raise to Rise. Thanks for being with us, Sarah. Thank you so much, Kara. Great to be here. You are a conscious quitter yourself, is that correct?
1: I am, yes. I have consciously quit two times now as a two-time member of the Great Resignation Class of 2021 and Class of 2022. I was a... CMO in Atlanta in my first role and really ran myself into the ground, burning out and ultimately culminated with a breakout of shingles back in April 2021. So I quit. I hit the life reset button. I committed to really focusing on self-care and having better boundaries around overworking, But moved down to Florida into a culture where I dealt with a sexual harassment situation. So I ultimately quit again in January of this year. It's been a journey for sure.
0: Okay. And you're saying that this is the largest uh, great resignation we've seen. I mean, about 10.5% increase in senior women wanting out of their jobs. Yes. Yes. Now, this is from the
1: 2022 Women in the Workplace report from McKinsey and Lean In. And what they found is that women in leadership roles are walking out at the highest rate they've ever seen since the inception of the report in 2015. To put it at scale, For every single director who is promoted or woman who is promoted into a director level or above, there are two women who are walking out the door, which is creating a real pipeline issue for corporate America because already women are underrepresented in leadership roles. And if you have women walking away faster than they could be promoted, it really will hinder the diversity, equity and inclusion of these companies. So it's a really fascinating
0: phenomenon that we're seeing right now. So we're going to get to the steps you say that we need to go through. But of course, my question is, sure, sometimes people want to quit their jobs, but they can't. Right. Because maybe they need the money. So how is everyone walking out or they're just saying, I don't care. I'm going to just dip into my retirement. I just can't take another day.
1: Sure. Great question, Kara. Well, so I think that there is a bit of a misconception around the great resignation where we talk about the great resignation or we hear the common refrain of no one wants to work anymore these days. And the Women in the Workplace report makes it abundantly clear that women are not saying they don't want to work. They're calling it the great breakup because women are breaking up with untenable workplaces, situations where they're facing things like harassment, discrimination, toxic workplace cultures, being passed over for promotions, microaggressions, things like that. And it's fascinating, too, because that data from the report models what I found from my own research as well, interviewing dozens of women from the Great Resignation. I found the same thing, even women who were deciding to downshift in their careers and do some work from home while they're taking care of their kids, are ultimately doing just that. No one is actually, from who I've spoken with, just completely saying, I don't want to work at all these days. So it's much more about us right-sizing the role of work in our lives and figuring out how our careers slot into the holistic perspective of our, our greater personal lives, rather than the way it was pre-pandemic, which was career was really at the epicenter of how we structured our lives. And then we figured out how to fit in everything else around it, which was especially challenging for women. So when you're talking about things like, you know, money and health insurance and all of that, we can still honor when we know we need to walk away. As long as, to your point, we know exactly where we're going next so that we aren't taking unnecessary risks.
0: Yeah, okay, so because there's a process to this, and sometimes uh, maybe unconscious quitting could cause more stress, which you're not looking for. Exactly. So so step one, you say, is the rumbling, and that's the rose-colored glasses of the honeymoon phase where, okay, everything looked great, and now um, you don't like your job. And you're maybe having physical symptoms like burnout or insomnia or, for you, shingles.
1: Correct. Exactly. Yes. This is where we start to see that there's real fragmentation and misalignment. We can start to see those cracks and fissures in our everyday reality at work. And Kara, I think you make a really great point just because we're experiencing some type of discomfort or conflict or friction at work that doesn't automatically mean we need to walk away, of course. It can definitely be that that discomfort is pointing to something that we need to solve. It could be having a conversation about flexibility with the boss, or it could be resolving a conflict with a coworker. So it's not an automatic thing that we just walk away if we're having issues at work when we're conscious quitting. If we're consciously quitting, we're focusing on those rumbling symptoms taking us into the next stage, which is knowing and is much more of that coming from that calmer, deeper, more peaceful place within us that knows it's time to go. The dozens of women that I've interviewed from the Great Resignation, I was so shocked because I figured women were making these decisions related to when to quit their jobs according to logic, rationality, pragmatism. That's what we've been taught with the old career playbook. But really, even with they did mental gymnastics type exercises like spreadsheets, budgets, pro-con lists, or they talk to other people in their lives to get their opinions, those were actually secondary to this place of knowing. Like, we know when something is not going to be fixable, and we know when there's more of discomfort that's saying, okay, I need to fix something here. There's a challenge or a lesson to be learned
0: rather than just running away. So the knowing is the next stop, and you're saying that we know that we need to walk away, and it really happens in three different ways for some people. It might be like a lightning bolt moment. Um, You have the opposite of love at first sight, like I'm out of here. A slow build or a moment of peace that you're just like, I I can't accept how I'm being treated anymore. Exactly, yes.
1: It's been really fascinating to collect women's stories and see that Those were the the real three themes that came into uh, really came and emerged from that data and that research. And so, yes, it's that first, it's that shot out of the dark, almost a Hollywood light bulb moment of like, my reality is instantaneously shattered. Like, I just I know I'm meant to leave. The second is more of that gradual slow burn and a build of collecting data points that lead to that singular conclusion that is I'm going to have to walk away. And the third is much more of that acceptance and surrender. And what I will say, too, is that it, as I've continued the research, I had one woman point out to me a really great point, which is that just because we're coming to this place of acceptance, we're coming to say, I accept that I'm not going to be able to change what is causing me grief in this situation, and I'm going to surrender to the need to extricate myself Sometimes coming to that more peaceful realization, it can be really empowered because we're taking back control that we have ceded previously, or it can be really disappointing, too, because sometimes it feels like we're waving the white flag, but it's an okay sort of a thing, regardless of how it comes to us. When we are trusting that deeper part of us that knows when it's time to go, however it shows up we just we know that we're going to have to make a move and continue on with the journey of walking away
0: okay so before we get to there's another phase we're going to go to decision action and after facts but let's just go practical stuff You you notice some things like you know that there's not enough flexibility if you like other things how do you go have that uncomfortable conversation with the boss or the company and do you think um, are you seeing women get change when they go and get the courage to ask for what they want
1: you know care that's a great question and i am hundred percent with you in that regard because i believe that that is part of conscious quitting to be able to say i love all of these other aspects or even if i don't 100 percent love them i really like them on balance things are good at work it's this one or two things that are causing me issues so i am going to take that step to address and ask for what i need set a boundary whatever that might look like now i will say that from my research it was much more around women who ultimately decided to walk away and so i was speaking with the women who had for example had conversations and it didn't work out Mm -hmm. i certainly did that in my second scenario where i was asking for an investigation to happen for months and so i think it is a really beautiful brave and strong thing for us to take that step and ask for what we need when we need to it can be a really hard thing for anyone to do but i think especially for women as well when we've been taught a lot of caretaking and looking after others needs first but at least you know if you've taken that step you've had that conversation you've said you know, this is what I need, X, Y, Z, you want to go into that conversation being really specific around what you want those outcomes to be and be really firm and confident in bringing forth what your value is to the organization. And then if the organization decides that it's not something they're going to be able to, to accommodate, that's okay because you know you've done your part in the process and you can feel really at peace in walking away because you did what you could.
0: Should you have another job already lined up? I did not,
1: Kara. So this is you how didn't. Okay, yeah. I
0: have learned the value of conscious
1: quitting, honestly, because with the the CMO role that I left and I had shingles, the timing worked out really perfectly, and that I was finishing up interviewing for this job in Florida when I was diagnosed, and so I did actually my final two interviews for that job while I was home from shingles leave. And then the second time when I left, I didn't have anything else lined out. And so that is so destabilizing for our nervous systems, our bodies, our hearts, our minds, everything to just completely upend a part of our lives that is as important as our careers, given that we're paying the bills, we have health insurance, all of those important things coming from work. And so I learned the hard way that having the plan in place and knowing what you're going to do next, as long as you're not in a situation that is in, insanely toxic, where you are really facing you know, daily harassment and, and situations that you need to get out of immediately, the more you can take your time in planning what you're going to do next, take baby steps, also plan your timing from the standpoint of when you're feeling really stable in other aspects of your life, the better off you're going to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Take okay. it
1: from somebody who's learned. You've done <laughs> it
0: both ways. No, I would think that um it would be really destabilizing because you might have just gotten yourself out of yes. a bad situation but then if you're someone who tends to, you know, unless you're independently wealthy, you're going to worry about money, you're going to worry about this, especially if you have a family, you're thinking. Exactly. And that, that all that stress isn't going to be good to finding the next job. You might end up just taking something you don't want to, to make the stress go away. So the other phase you have is decision. And that is overcoming those mental blocks and fear. But you really recommend mapping out that exit strategy. What does that look like to map out a successful, conscious, exit strategy?
1: Yes, definitely. That exit strategy is everything that encompasses making such a big life change, like leaving a job and finding another one or starting a new business. So we often just think about quitting a job as just submitting a resignation letter and finding that new job. But there's so much more for us to think about. I deeply believe from my research that we haven't been taught as much as we should know related to how to architect our careers from an intentional place, meaning how do you determine what our core values are and what we're looking for in a workplace so that our values align with the company that we're joining. We look at work style and lifestyle, like the types of hours we wanna be working. Do we wanna be on our feet? Do we wanna be in front of a computer? You know, All of these things are questions that we're not necessarily taught to ask ourselves And even if, let's say, for example, it's something that we did earlier on in our careers, different times in our lives, different seasons call for different approaches to working. And that's what I love that's coming out of this pandemic is that a lot of the women I'm talking to are recognizing that it's not so much the career ladder and just linearly following one path of climbing the ranks and pulling down bigger paychecks and chasing fancier titles. It's like we're giving ourselves permission to say that different times in our lives could mean that we are doing part-time work so we can be home with our kids more often. Or, for example, I've spoken with a PR agency CEO who actually works with a team of almost exclusively 1099 contractors who are working mothers who some of them will say, I'm available from 8 to 5 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I can't work the other days. Or some of them say, I'll take the evening shift. I'll do from you know, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And she was saying that it's really fascinating when we give people more autonomy and flexibility over their schedule. It's created this culture where people have really bought in and they're they're really engaged because everyone is respecting that we are all whole humans. And that's a cool thing coming out of the pandemic as well. The professional and personal lines are more blurred. And so we can think about these things as we're making a determination of what our next step is, like what actually matters for us. We want to be conscious about that because there are surveys that have found that anywhere between 20% and 70% of great resignationers regret leaving their jobs. And I believe that's because it was a lot of knee-jerk quitting, reactionary on the other side of the pandemic, kind of like even my second quitting. And that's the last thing we want to do because it is so hard on so many aspects of our lives.
0: So uh, the Wall Street Journal actually featured your um, conscious quitting or or conscious and unconscious all of it. All of it together because you really got fed up and you did the whole thing like I'm going off to paradise and sit on a beach and then figure it out. And and now you're actually helping other women transition and do it the right way because you've kind of seen Um, what worked and what didn't for you. So the action part is turning in the resignation letter. That's I would think the scary part. Is there a right way to do that? It is. Yes, it is. It's really scary. So it is definitely
1: you want to do the the formal written letter and presented in person. That's really the the best etiquette that you can bring to the table, especially in ensuring that you're leaving in a graceful way. I personally, the second time I quit, I sent off the resignation letter and I didn't even give two weeks notice because I had given the company four months to address this harassment situation and it wasn't being properly addressed. And when it finally was, it was pretty check the box. And so I was just like, I'm done. I don't I've given so many months of my time, I don't think I even owe two more weeks. But again, that is Sarah learning from experience. That doesn't feel good to anyone. We all want to end on a good note to ensure we're in a positive place. You do it in person. You write up the formal letter. You plan your transition as much as you can to ensure that you're handing off the work so it's seamless within the organization and they're not struggling in the wake of you walking away. So it's all of those uh, ticking and tying all of those little final pieces that you feel good with the closure and the company does as well.
0: And you, so then you're going into uh, the after effects, which uh, is other people's reactions, things you never saw coming. So you've done this a couple of times. Yes. What should women be prepared for in that month after quitting?
1: Yes. Well, after effects are good, bad, and ugly. Sometimes we make a move and it turns out exactly as we'd hoped. And we're really happy with the new job or the new business we've started or we can end up having to pivot a bit on the other side. And that is more than okay. That's what we have to remember because we can oftentimes feel like we're failing or we're falling if things don't work out exactly as we planned them, but that doesn't mean that we are. We wanna look at conscious quitting as a journey of peaks and valleys, just like any other part of our lives in which there are lessons to be learned from the challenges and the things that don't exactly go our way. Because as long as we are, we're listening to that part of us that knows when it's time to go, and we're being thoughtful and intentional in architecting our next move, we can rest assured, at least on the fact, even if we don't like the new job where we end yeah. up, that we're moving in the right direction. We're moving towards what we want because we have a better idea, greater clarity on what's going to make us happy, what's going to fulfill us at work, what a good work-life balance looks like. So we have to take it holistically rather than just saying, I'm going to perfectly plan this out. And if it doesn't work out exactly the way I wanted it to, that means it's a failure. And that's what actually brings us to assimilation, which is the final of the six stages, and that's where we can look out and up from the rubble, and we see we've grown stronger. We're more resilient. We're more adaptable to change. We can flex that risk-taking muscle more easily in the future, and we know that we are becoming those conscious stewards of our careers who are Thinking about all of the moves we make with intentionality, building careers that make sense for where we are right now in our lives and what we need, as opposed to just sort of being thrown about by the whims of somebody, you know, offers me this job and it's got a great salary and I'm just gonna take it without thinking about these other things, you know. Sometimes that does work for people, but for a lot of people, that ultimately doesn't lead to greater fulfillment. So we come back here and we figure out what means the most for us, And then we create our careers from that place moving forward.
0: And I'm thinking like an exercise, something that um, I've learned that's been helpful to me over the years. Whether you stay or go, I've I've actually been here for 22 years, but um, there's been times where I've had to think of, am I going or this? And and there's been a lot of transformation in that time. Um, But one of the things I I learned, and I'm curious um, if you offer this uh, and how you help people transition, but even doing something simple like a mind dump for five minutes, they call it scripting, where you write out, what does your perfect day look like? Because sometimes you just need the clarity first so, yes you know I'm waking up um, and I don't have to rush somewhere maybe then that means you're not you're working remote but uh, but I, you know three days a week I'm enjoying really stimulating conversations with leaders in my field so now you know okay I want a job with um, some interaction I, I think those mind up exercises I love it and they're magic because sometimes you notice that things transform pretty quickly after that once you've gotten clarity Exactly, Kara. Oh, I love that so much. You know, I'm actually working on a conscious
1: quitting guide, and that's one of the things that I have in there is like from morning, from like when you wake up in bed and you open your eyes to the end of the day, what do you want your day to look like and feel like? And of course, that is your career in in the middle of it, but it's also it's everything else along the way, because to your point, we are one person holistically. And so how we show up at work has a huge impact on the rest of our lives. And the more that we can get clear on how we want to feel, what our intentions are around our careers, the better off we're going to be. So it is, it's starting from that place of dreaming and being open to new possibilities. Because the thing that really stood out to me when I was having conversations with women is I had a lot of women reach out to me who were feeling stuck in jobs when I originally said, I'm calling for stories uh, from women of the great resignation. And I can watch them as they're telling me why they can't even look for a new corporate job, for example. You know, we're not talking about of course, things like money and, and all of that and walking away and not having a financial plan. This was strictly even women who felt like they couldn't even make a move to another corporate organization. And it was like watching these brilliant women run into these invisible walls in, in their minds as far as what they felt like they could or couldn't do. So it's like suspend all of those those can'ts, those shoulds, those limitations, and just like dream a little bit, get it down on paper, see what comes out, because you may be really surprised to find what means the most to you as you're making these decisions.
0: Uh, Right. And I think um, you, you bring up a good point, like just even having that exercise of dreaming a little bit because immediately people, well, that's never going to happen. Well, you kind of can't make anything happen until you get clear about what you want. And sometimes we're so busy as corporate women between raising our families and running to the next thing. If you don't take that moment to even ask, like, what would it look like? You might just be stuck in that rut. So you're helping people do that. You actually have a quiz on your website. I'm looking right now. Should I stay or should I go? A three minute quiz. Um, and, And I'll throw out there. I know uh, you've got some things you're working on. I highly recommend a former WSB alum now MSNBC. Mika Brzezinski has a book called Know Your Value. She gets into that a lot. Um, But even having these exercises um, are are helpful. Right. Because otherwise would you say that most people are staying stuck just because it's habit. They just don't know what else to do. Yes definitely. I found actually three kind of
1: categories of reasons why we stay stuck. The first being fear, and that's can manifest in many different ways. Fear is very wily and cunning. We may tame it in one of our uh, kind of one of our realms, and then it pops up in another form. So it could be like we have money fears, and then we tame those. But then it's like a game of whack-a-mole, and all of a sudden we're feeling imposter syndrome. The second is more of conditioning and those shoulds of what my career should look like, what I, as a woman who is a working professional and a mom, what I should be doing and prioritizing and what my career has to look like to be able to allow me to fulfill all of those responsibilities. And the third, more of those kind of like those logical fallacies, like cost fallacy. I'm saying like, I've spent five years here at this company. I'm so close to a promotion. It would be such a waste to walk away now at this point. So it's a funny thing that we can get in our brains, all of these reasons that are very well-intentioned to keep us safe, anything in these realms, as far as these roadblocks, are intended to keep us safe in our comfort zones. But until we do the exercises to really understand what it is we truly want and what's holding us back, that's the only way we can, we can get to where we ultimately want to be.
0: Okay, so your website is uh raisetorise.com, and you can follow you on uh, Instagram as well. Do you have uh, you've got the quiz, um, and what else do you have to help women through this? I know you'll work with people individually too, right?
1: Yes, I will. And the
0: the conscious quitting
1: guide is coming
0: soon. So coming soon, uh, you can definitely yes. stay tuned to check that out. It's a workbook, right? So we can do it, and you might be yes. surprised about what comes out. <laughs> exactly yes it takes you through all of those six stages to look
1: at your personal strengths and potential pitfalls that might prevent you from moving through the six stages and then also external roadblocks that could potentially get in your way as well you do the dreaming exercise and then you map out your game plan for
0: exiting the organization and a backup plan too because those are always great to have as well yeah all right it's the business plan for quitting all right thank you so much sarah for sharing your time with us Thank you, Kara. It's been wonderful to be here. And if you're watching this and you think someone needs this, um, feel free to share it. I love to share this content on social media. You can follow me at Kara Sundlin. You can also listen to this on the Kara's Cures podcast. Uh, If you happen to be watching on WC+, it's also a way to listen to it right in your car. So we'd love if you subscribe and share. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day and be well.